Are you looking to buy or sell real estate? You've got questions. We've got answers. Welcome to the show. It's going to be great featuring Matt and Jen from Home Team for You. And now, without further ado, it's Matt and Jen. Thanks, Jacob. Good intro. Thanks. Been practicing. (laughs) All right. Well, today I'm excited that we're going to be talking about how folks can sell their homes. And uh, it's going to be a little different than what we do on our normal podcast. We're going to go ahead and go through uh, several different topics. And once we're done, I really think that you're going to have a good idea how the home selling process works. And uh, So we're going to talk about the options of how to price your house. Yeah, that's actually the first one that we're going to jump into because pricing is one of the main things that people are asking us about because, I mean, even when you're just first thinking about selling your home, you want to know if it's worth it to move, you right? Check out all the websites, the Zillows and the Realtor.com to see what your house is worth. Yeah, and a lot of times people get spurred into I'm going to move because maybe their neighbor's house sold and they're like, whoa, I didn't know I could get that much. Or they're having a life change or something and they need to go and it's like, okay, what is my home worth? Can I do this? And that's when they contact home team for you. Yes. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Yes. (laughs) Dot com. (laughs) For sure. So we have all different reasons why people are selling. Um, So there's all, I mean, we have three main strategies that we use when it comes to pricing. So our first one is the needle in a haystack. It seems a lot harder than uh, everything else. It seems like you're just looking for one buyer, one special buyer for your house. Yeah, that's really what it is. And it really depends on the seller's situation. And I, it could be that they have all the time in the world and they can wait for that one buyer. Care. Right. They don't care. They can just sit and wait for a while until they get that one special buyer. And there can also be the situation where somebody might be upside down in a house and they just, they can't sell unless they get their certain price. So needle in a haystack can be used for a couple of different reasons. But like we said, it takes a lot more time. So can I assume needle in the haystack is something that's a really high price? Like how how high is it? I mean, you're talking about just something that's over market value. So once you go over market value, then you have that limited number of buyers that can actually buy or are willing to pay for that house. Yeah. So we would pull the comparables in the area and then we would price above the highest comp that's sold. So you basically look for the highest one and you shoot for the moon. And uh, that's your needle in the haystack price. We just mentioned the market value, which is actually what the market is demanding of that house. So you're not the needle in the haystack. You are just right at market value, what, what the comparables are showing. So how... Can you tell me a little bit more about the comparative... The CMA, I know it's called a CMA, but... Um, can you explain a little bit more in detail what that is for people that are uh, looking to sell their house and how that price is determined? So what we do is we as realtors have access to all of the properties that have sold. So we will look at similar properties. Similar, usually it is the number of bedrooms, the number of bathrooms, square footage is really, really important. Location to the property. Yes, it needs to be in the same area. If it is in the same neighborhood, that's great. I mean, the closer, the better. 
And then they also have to be properties that sold in a reasonable amount of time. So six months to a year, those can still be relevant. If we're looking back and though my neighbor's house sold four years ago, not really relevant. Cause it's that really depend on totally the, what's available to look at too. I mean, a lot of times you'll have outlying properties that just don't have local comparables. So you just have to pull from areas, maybe out just outside of the area that you want to be in. So sometimes you have to adjust it. So there's a strategy, but it's, very much an art. Absolutely. All right. So aside from needle in a haystack, you guys said there's like two other options. What What's the second one? Would be the market value. So at market value is what we're trying to price things at. So that's the second one. Yep. When you price at market value, it's very likely that in you know a balanced market, you're going to have an offer within 30 to 60 days. And um, that's what we tend to see. Market value is a little bit different, though, too, depending on the market you're looking at. Like right now, the market's strong, so your market value could actually be slightly higher than what the actual market value should be. But it's kind of determined by that buyer. So what are like the, the pros and cons of the market value? I mean, we haven't gotten to the third one yet, which I can only assume means under market value. That'd be the only option left logically. But for market value, what are the pros and cons um, for that? Who, who, what kind of buyer or what kind of seller would want to set their house at market value? Well, a lot of times people will choose to go at market value because they have some kind of a timeline. So they don't want to do the needle in a haystack, but they um, want to get it sold when they don't want to sell themselves short. And they might have more time. So they have a little bit more time, not necessarily a long period of time, but just a normal time on the market versus a quick time on the market. So I feel like I jumped the gun before. I think I asked the question too early because I think it's better that we talk about the last one and then I can circle <laughs> back and be like, which one's best? <laughs> so what, what's that What's that final pricing structure? It's the bidding war. So that's where you have multiple offers on a property and uh, a ton of interest and people coming through and making offers on it. And so like what... Uh, why would somebody not want to do that? That sounds like it's awesome. It can be. I think it's, it's again, the seller's preference on how fast or how fast they want to be out of the house and where they can go, and it can vary. Does a bidding war sell quicker than a market value house? It could have an offer quicker, but I think the actual closing date may vary. And what about in like today's market? Um, I know right now it's a really crazy extreme seller's market. Is it? I don't know if it's safe to say extreme, but I think it's kind of an extreme seller's market. Um, things are selling really fast. Um, is there much of a difference? Because I know there's a lot of bids going out uh, on houses all the time. Is there much difference between a bidding war and, and market value in you know like the 2021 market conditions? In the 2021 market, people are pricing their homes and whether they price it under value or they price it at market value, they're usually getting multiple offers. So in doing that, they're f a little bit more similar at this time. Yeah, because I think just the demand on every house in this market we're having right now is basically making it a bidding war. So what advice do you have um, for a home seller? Like, do you 
do you have one where you feel like this is better or worse or um, of the three pricing options or they kind of all just, they all have their pros and cons and it's just up to the seller? It really depends on the seller. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a bad idea still, I think, to price it just under market value because you're still going to get multiple offers and bidding war that's going to drive that price back up though too. In this market anyway. Yeah, it depends on what your seller wants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. All right, so let's go ahead. I think we covered that pretty well. And uh, let's dive into uh, three keys for how a home should be staged. It's very important because you only have so much time to make that impression on people, especially now with the internet. Everybody's looking there. You have basically 10 seconds to make that first impression. It's like speed dating. So I'm going to be the <laughs> ignorant one for the podcast. I'm going to be the average person. You haven't been speed dating in. before? No, no, no comment on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I was going to ask is, can, what is staging? What does that even mean? I know we use it in real estate all the time, like it's second nature, but I don't know if everyone knows. The sure. So we, with staging, we figured that your home is becoming like a product for sale. So when it's a product for sale, we need to make it very appealing to the people that are going to be coming through. So we have some things that we do and that allows people to see themselves in the space and then it becomes their house instead of your house. And it's important too, just to make sure that you're, they can visualize themselves in their, that space versus your space. Mm-hmm. So that might mean taking your personal photos down and all your personal shots or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely one of the three things is to depersonalize. And I have had situations where we have been going through a house and somebody sees somebody's kids' high school pictures and, oh, I think I know them and blah, 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 blah. And you wouldn't think that that would be a bad thing. But then the person sort of stops actually looking at the house. They look at the photos. They look at the photos. And then when we are back and saying, okay, what did you think of house one or house two? All they remember about that house is that that's where the person that they knew lived. Right. Can't they remember the, spa- the yeah. family instead of thinking about the property. You can't remember the spaces or what rooms or where, where and so it does a disservice yep. to, to you to have those things up. Cause you think, well, it, it won't distract people that much, but it really, really does. I think it also is part of um, decluttering and minimize the what's in the house. Is also part of that same thing where you want to have um, most of your clutter or getting everything out of the kitchen, this and the countertops. And it's interesting. You have to think of clutter from a buyer's eye and what a camera will pick up. So if you kind of put your hands up and you're thinking what's going to be in that image or even just take a picture of it, like what is unnecessary in that picture, right? So if you have a countertop and you have bread and your coffee maker and knives and your salt and pepper shakers, in real life, that's probably just what it is. But you take the picture of it and it looks like all of these little things in the picture. So you're not seeing the room, you're seeing all of these little things. So part of staging is to take out some of those extra things so you can really see the room. I think that also helps the buyer visualize again. Mm-hmm. And again, taking your stuff out of the house and you have that 15 or 10 seconds to actually get somebody's attention. You don't want to have them looking at the bread on the counter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then the uh, another thing that's really important when it comes to staging is for every room to have a purpose. And I have gone through with people and 
there are like weird random rooms and they're just like, what would I do with that? But say it's a room in the basement with no windows and you go in there and now there's a yoga ball and a yoga mat and Mm -hmm. it feels like it's your yoga studio. Okay, cool. I do yoga. This would be awesome. But before that, it's like this useless space. Even if you don't do yoga. Yeah. It's still a yoga spot. <laughs> it's still a yoga spot. So when you buy the house, you become a yoga person. Yeah. Well, <laughs> doesn't everyone kind of want to be able to do yoga? It's like, I'm going to buy this house and I'm going to be so much more flexible. I just looked flexible. at Jacob and he just looked at me and I pretty much have the same answer. Wait, mm-hmm. your answer is yes? Yes, I, absolutely. I, I love a, a good downward dog. <laughs> but if, if you're thinking about who your buyers are and who's walking through there, you personalize the room to the people that are going to purchase the home. So depending on where your house is, you might have a yoga studio or you might make that into a library or you might make that into an office. You have to think about who your buyer is going to be. Kids gaming room. Yeah, it could be a kids gaming room. It Packers could, Sanctuary. No, that's another <laughs> little thing. When what? It, when what if it, they're Bears fans? Yeah, well, they can't buy the house. Yeah, they'll buy the house. <laughs> Sorry, Bears when, fans. When it comes to staging, there are a few things that you want to try and avoid. And things like uh, sports memorabilia. and Because, um, for example, you are a diehard Packers fan. And your wife loves this house. And you walk in, and it is Bears everywhere the walls are blue and they're orange and you've got you know all of their stuff up on the walls we i have had people just say no (laughs) like it's the perfect house for them but they they just can't so unfortunately we do need to take down all of the packer and the badger and we can cheer from the nice box that they're in especially the bear stuff that's (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's gotta go it's that and then it's also things that can trigger people Mm. so if you have uh wine or alcohol some folks are triggered with wine and alcohol so and some people decorate with it so Mm. you have to figure a happy medium for you know what's going to be attractive to people and also having a lot of nudes that can be an issue too (laughs) that could be an issue it it is but but some people don't think about it i think it's the visualization too of how you can arrange a room and what the focal point might be so you have to think about each room, what that focal point might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it could be arranging furniture in a different way to make it the focal point. Be right. Better. So that it tells a story. So if you have a room and it has a fireplace and you know, it's likely going to be a room where somebody's going to have a TV, having that room set up so that you're looking one way to be able to you know, see the focals together instead of splitting your focus. Because if you split your focus, then the purpose of the room gets distorted. Absolutely. Can I ask, I got to ask, what about holidays? Like what if you're living in a house trying to sell it? Can you set up like holiday decorations? I know it's, we're recording this pretty early in the year. There's no major, maybe, maybe Easter. St. Patrick's, which is past. Yeah. (laughs) You dress it up all in green, I guess. Yeah. So what we tell people to do is, if at all possible, if we can get the pictures before you yep. dress your house up and then go ahead and dress your house up mm-hmm. because it, it will make sense and it'll, it'll read homey if you're dressing it up for like Christmas or something like that. People will understand that. But if you do that prior and you take the pictures and then your house is on and it's St. Patrick's Day, people are like, what's up with that? Why Sometimes decorations too also create clutter. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So you could have the little Christmas gnomes all over your house might be a little bit of distraction and clutter. Yeah, that's one of the things when people have collections, people get distracted by collections. So if you have a thousand Green Bay Packer hats or you have a thousand Hummels, people start counting and wondering and they're looking through the house, <laughs> looking for the Packer hats and looking for the, the Hummels. Game, and your Hummel. Yeah, it, game. It, it, it's super distracting. So it's like, okay, pick your three favorite Packer hats, pick your three favorite Hummels, and then everything else really needs to go away so it's not distracting. Because they have to pack it anyway because they're selling. That's right. So pack it up now. Might as well pack it up now because you're moving. So what I'm, hearing, what I'm hearing here from staging, the, the biggest thing here is it's all about first impressions. Absolutely. And so like, uh, is there, is there something else? Actually, I have one in mind. I was just, I don't know how to, how to get you guys to say it without me just saying it. So I'm just going to say it. Some house, some houses I've been in smell kind of funky. Mm. Um, what about odors and smells? What what can you do to, to uh, make a house smell great? I think that's one of those things that first comes acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, a lot of people, you guys have probably seen those Febreze ads where people are nose blind and they don't realize that maybe it does smell a little like dog or your cat box, even though you change it regularly, the outside of the box has an odor. And having those conversations with your sellers, that that can be the first step. Before you show the house. Right. And there we have all kinds of tips and tricks to be able to uh, eliminate those smells. And when it comes to smells, another big one is cigarette smell. Yeah. Mm. So that hap- is actually probably harder to get out than like an animal smell. Because so, that's everywhere. Sure. So it might be an issue of maybe painting or mm-hmm. using a deionizer. Yep, painting. And it's also, if it's cigarette, it's in like your curtains. It's probably on your uh, cabinetry. So wiping everything down, wiping all the walls down, painting. Taking the curtains down. Yeah, having your ducts cleaned. So, I mean, we have helped people, and, I mean, it can be quite the process to get that smell out of there, but, I mean... We've definitely done it. And I mean, it makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. when you walk in and you're just like, oh, ugh. And there again, it re- takes your focal point away from the house because mm-hmm. you're focusing on the yeah. smell of the yeah. house. When we get feedback and it's just like smells like cat or smells <laughs> like dog, you know, they didn't even look at the house. They mm-hmm. were just like, I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Right. And that's definitely not what you want. So we need to address it head on and get it fixed. All right, why don't we go ahead and dive into properly marketing a home? So there's a bunch of different things we do to properly market your home. Um, Again, going back to what we just talked about, about having that 10-second time frame to catch people's attention. Mm -hmm. The photos are definitely an important part of it. Because if you think about it, what gets somebody first interested in your property? Yeah, shot outside. Inside, it could be... Anywhere in the house. So it doesn't necessarily be, need to be an outside shot. It could be an inside kitchen, living room, whatever might catch their eye. Yeah. And really, you want people to be 50% sold from the pictures. Like, you don't want a whole bunch of people that come in and say, oh, well, it doesn't really look like the pictures. I don't like it. So it's like having great, accurate pictures that people go in and they're like, I probably want this house if it looks like these pictures. Yeah, sometimes the drone, we'd also do drone photography, which... 
sometimes catches people's attention just because it's a little bit different than a typical outside shot. So that might be something that catches their eye. Yeah, with the drone photography, it's really cool because you're able to show everything that's going on around the property. So if there is maybe a creek behind or you have like extra land or it's really close to maybe a park or something like that, we can go up a little higher and people... Maybe they're coming from a different area and they have no idea. Just that, gives them an idea what's around the house. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is actually really great and you have no idea because you don't, you know, live around here. So. Yeah. Between that and the professional photographer, that's very important to have those professional photos done that, you know, catch their eye and have to be edited just a little bit lighter or whatever that might be. Yeah. I think people don't realize what a difference having professional photography means. I mean, because iPhones, they're pretty good, but having somebody who knows how to frame up the shot, get the lighting right. It's the difference between pretty good and great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at a picture and it's just like sparkling off the page at you, it's like, all right, that's amazing. And I mean, that's what we want. You don't want poorly lit pictures that you're like, hmm. (laughs) We do the 3D, you know, 3D shots of the house where we have the camera in the middle of the room and it spins around and people can walk through the house uh, with the 3D photos. Yeah, the 3D photos are some of the things that are really helping people. I mean, imagine, I mean, way back when we started in real estate, thinking that people would be able to, at midnight, just pull up a house and kind of virtually walk through it, be able to see how the rooms would flow into each other. Because I can totally remember when I would be like, okay, well, I see this room and I see this room, but how does all this go together? Even if you look back at those photos we had when we first started, they're grainy and horrible photos. The iPhone would be amazing now if we had that then. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it used to be that they would just say, they would send out the MLS photographer and they would shoot one front one shot, shot and that's what you got. <laughs> so, I mean, things have a really, really come a long way. Maybe we go the other direction. Maybe we should now just have the outside shot to get people to set up showings. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see the house, you got to get it in. Well, you, ha- you have the flip side with that. If you only have the outside shot, then people think there's something wrong with the inside. So there's an art to even how the order that you put your pictures in. If you stack all of the outside stuff first, sometimes people won't even get to the inside and they just figure, oh, the inside must be bad. So it's like, okay, let's make sure we're showing some of the stuff that's going to be attractive to our target audience. So besides the professional photo, photos, we also do videography. So we have you know, our agents walk through the house, and then our awesome marketing guys edit those and make them look good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of the things that I think is, is really helpful, is to have somebody walk you through the home, give their impressions, and then you can really get a kind of a natural feel for it where it's not overproduced or anything like that. It's just, this is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think that between the walkthrough video, videography, and the 3D photos, I think people get a pretty good idea what the house looks like before they get there. Yeah, with the video too, I mean, our agents know a lot of the special things about the property that you're not seeing when you're doing the 3D tour. Mm -hmm. So they're able to say, hey, did you realize this cabinet has pullouts? Or did you realize that, you know, if you open this up, hey, there's a spice rack. And uh, 
those sometimes are the special things that buyers are like, wow, that's cool. I like spice racks. I do. Well, you do like spice, I do racks. Like spice racks. I mean, if a video had that, they would, you'd be 50% I'd sold. Buy that 50% sold on the spice racks. <laughs> Not even kidding. <laughs> so if anybody wants you see to see all the spices we have. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so sort of if we take it around a little bit, all of this marketing really comes down to doing target marketing. So one of the things that's really important is for us to figure out who our buyer is. So questions that we can ask our seller is, what made you purchase this home? Hmm. Right? So we ask that question and they say, well, I really loved that there was always the sunset. This house is situated on the lot, so we, we always have a sunset. So what photo do we have on the first shot? You have a sunset Absolutely. picture somewhere in with your um, photography. And could it be the first shot? Maybe if it's a beautiful sunset shot. And you're probably going to want to mention it because somebody else is going to be having that same emotion of, wow, that that's what I want too. And when I first heard that somebody was like, I bought it because of the sunset, I thought, oh boy. But for real, the person who bought it was like, yep, I can't wait for the sunsets on the patio. I'm like, for real? <laughs> you gotta wait all day for it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is true. If, if you're figuring out who your buyer is, then we're able to market to that buyer and we can figure out where they're going to be looking for their marketing, what's going to appeal to them. So it's not kind of one size fits all when it comes to marketing. But that ties it all back to what that professional photo is too. Mm-hmm. So it could be maybe they had a park across the street. So we have a drone photo that shows the park. or We have a, you know, a different photo from a professional photographer that has a shot of that park. Mm-hmm. With When we're targeting, it's kind of where we're putting it. So let's say we have a, a house that is backs up to a creek and you could just drop in with a kayak we can likely target people on social media that are interested in kayaks. So and we can have Jacob in kayak. Oh, we could totally do a social media tic tac. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I get to go kayaking on the in job, I'm all about it. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> these are the kind of things that help sell a property. All right, so one of the biggest things that we're hearing right now is for people, they are like, well, maybe I'll sell. But then where am I going to go? And it's kind of what are the tips and tricks to make that process smooth? I think that comes down to what the seller wants when you're making that offer. I mean, if you were looking to buy a house and the seller wants to occupy the house until they find something, that's something that can be negotiated in. Mm -hmm. So post-closing occupancy might be an issue. Yeah, definitely communicating with the seller to understand what works for them. Um, and when, when you're the seller, you want your buyer to be working with you. And in the market that we're in right now, the sellers have a lot of leverage with that. Absolutely. So they can do things like say, okay, that's fine. I'll, we can do an accepted offer. But like you said, I want to have 60 days afterwards. And a lot of people are getting that free. So That's huge to have no, basically no payment after closing but still have a place to live until you find something. Yeah, so even if you don't find your perfect place, you've saved two months of mortgage payment, and uh, you can afford to go 
to a stay bridge or something like that. And it can definitely be worth your time. It also gives the seller the option to make offers without having a house to sell. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, because on the flip side, if you have a house to sell, you're going to want to, and okay, let me back up a second. If you have a house to sell and you need to sell it before you buy, you're going to want to get it on the market. Absolutely. Because nobody's going to want to take your subject to sale offer. Especially in this market. And um, we can talk about subject to sale just a little bit so um, folks understand what that is. It's just writing an offer and making it subject to your home selling in a certain amount of time. But in, in this market, it's that's considered a maybe offer because maybe my home will sell. Likely your home is going to sell, but if there's 10 other offers that don't have the maybe I'm going to sell clause, you, sure thing. you lose every time. Absolutely. So you need to go ahead, get your home on the market, get yourself an offer and get some great terms in your offer so that you're able to um, negotiate on your next property. Yep. Gives you the leverage of having, not having a house to sell. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. The Another clause that is sometimes used is just making it subject to the seller finding suitable housing, which can be a little bit scary for a buyer because they have to, I mean, they have to be living somewhere where they can just stay until. And there's not really a time limit. Right, right. So if somebody lives with mom, they're living in a basement, a lot of times it works if you have people that are just like, well, I'll just go live with family or, you know, I'm month to month, month it'll be month, fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the people that have real, they're real tight closing dates, Sometimes these things don't work so well. I think the month of the month, we'll, we probably see quite a bit because um, not very many people want to move back home with mom and dad. Yeah, or you could have an awesome landlord that has a home buying clause. Hometeamforyou.com. Dot <laughs> 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 com. Dot <laughs> com. Yep. So in trying to get properties sold, sometimes sellers are hesitant to want to jump on the market because it feels like, okay, I don't have a place to go. And I know that my house is going to sell fast. My house is going to sell fast. But what if they see something that they like? They're like, what do I do? Sometimes doing a single party listing can be an option. Because, I mean, we have our our back-end systems where we have a lot of buyers and we can put buyers and sellers together. We should probably talk about what a single party listing is. Sure. Single party listing is where we just do a listing for uh, one party or like a group of parties to come through and the property isn't put on the multiple listing service. It's just like, hey, seller, we've got somebody. Let's get a contract so that this person could come in. Especially, I mean, I think we have quite a few buyers right now that are still looking for houses because the market's so hot. So there's pretty good odds that we're actually going to have a buyer for your house without uh, you going through the hassle of getting it on the market. Yeah, and it can be really nice for sellers because then they don't have to go through the process. I mean, it can be stressful for sellers, for sure. When you have people coming through, they're looking at your stuff. It feels kind of judgy. COVID doesn't help either. Yeah, COVID doesn't help either. So if people are just coming through, it's one showing, and they're like, I love it. It it's definitely helps. It makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So selling to buy. definitely, Definitely something that's coming up. All right, so there are three different ways that you can go about selling your home. My favorite is usually use a realtor. That's my favorite. Yeah, tell me about that. Sell now. 
HomeTeamView.com. What are the advantages to using a Realtor? Uh, all the experience that we can provide. Right. Especially now with all the different contingencies that are in place that we have to weed through and all the different offers that we have to look at at one time and try to figure out which the one is the most advantageous for the seller. Yeah, when you're really comparing using a Realtor to the other options, it's a full service experience. So everything will be taken care of. You don't have to worry about things. You can just say, hey, what is this? And we'll get the answers. We're going to take care of it. And, you know, we're going to do our best to get you the best possible price and the best possible terms. It also goes back to us providing the marketing services that we talked about, uh, the photography, the drone, whatever that might be, the walkthrough, the videographer, the professional marketing person. Yeah, you would, I think some folks may think that it's just really easy. I put a sign in the yard, but there's so much more to it. Because, I mean, you have to have the marketing piece, but then there's also, you need to show your house. How are you going to show your house? Like, are you going to let people through? What are you going to do? How is it going to feel when people walk in and go, oh, it smells. Okay, that's not going to feel great. I think it's hard for people to walk through a house as a buyer. Um, when the seller's breathing the seller's down their there neck. Because they're afraid to actually con- converse between themselves if it's a... You know, a couple that's walking through, it's always, I think, hard for them to actually have an honest conversation. It really is. And just from experience, you and I know that people don't open cabinets. They're not looking in closets. They're not really really getting a, a good look at the space because they are like feel like they're intruding. Yeah. So you almost have, sometimes have to encourage buyers to you know, go ahead and look in those areas just so they have an idea what they're looking at. Yeah. Well, as agents, we can just open it up and All be right. like, hey, check this out. Whereas when you're doing that as a seller, they're just like, oh. It could be special features that we're showing to the house. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a homeowner, you're, you know that it's there, but you may not realize that it's a special feature for somebody else. It's just what it is. Mm-hmm. So with the Realtor option, it's, it's really, it's the full service, everything is handled option. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Then we go to a second option, which would be more of a limited service Realtor. So that is more of someone that you would pay and they would charge a lesser fee. They would potentially put your listing on a multiple service or multiple listing service. And then in most cases, you kind of fend for yourself. Because you still have to negotiate your own offer with limited service typically. Mm -hmm. So if you did get an offer, you still have to communicate with that buyer and then negotiate with that buyer uh, face-to-face. Yeah, and a, a lot of times with limited service, you're still setting up your own showings. You're having to organize that. Sometimes you're taking your own pictures. I, I've seen where it says, you know, seller wrote the copy, and you could tell. <laughs> it was like, is this like a disclosure? <laughs> seller wrote the copy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that could be a fine option for some folks if, if they think that that would work. I think in that situation, you're still probably going to be working with a buyer's agent. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, it's really, really true that a lot of times, whether um, if you're doing the limited service, they kind of are like, whoa. This is a lot. Oh, there's a buyer's agent. Help me. And then you're back to having to negotiate with that agent that probably knows or has been doing this longer than a potential seller. Um, So you're maybe at a disadvantage when you're negotiating that way. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Then um, there is the for sale by owner option, which we affectionately call FSBO. FSBO. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I have known what a FISBO was since I was a young child. <laughs> and so I just sort of use that as a word that everyone knows. You have a lot of agents questioning what an FSBO is. <laughs> so I'm like, you did not grow up in a real estate family. <laughs> so for sale by owner, and that really is when an owner decides to just kind of put a sign in the yard or uh, post something somewhere and they just sort of handle it all themselves. So it's just one step below, uh, below maybe not be the right word, but one step down from the limited service. Yeah, you're probably not going to be on the multiple listing service. Yeah, so usually it's just a local website or Craigslist or Facebook ad maybe that's posted. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, person that bought like a URL of like their address and put it on their front address with their URL hoping that that was going to be the the marketing that was going to sell their property it's been up for three years <laughs> but, doesn't take long but I maybe mean, that's the needle in the haystack yeah they're they're doing the needle in the haystack approach but i mean any of the approaches can can work there i mean there are pros and cons obviously if you are using a f- full service realtor there is more of a cost but then you don't have the extra things to worry about so for each client, it really depends on what's important to them. I think it's important for the buyers, though, that from their perspective, that they have an agent representing them. So in most of these cases, whether it's limited service or for sale by owner, you're probably going to be negotiating with an agent because mm-hmm. those the majority of the buyers out there now are represented by buyer's agents. Yeah, so it's like you might as well get the representation. Yep, on your side because you won't have it if you're a limited service or for sale by owner. Yep, I agree. Yes. Well, and this concludes today's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time. See ya. Hometeamforyou.com. Booyah. Booyah. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of It's Gonna Be Great. If you're looking to buy or sell real estate in South Central Wisconsin, I think Home you know you who com. to call. Yeah. Hometeamforyou.com. Team, the number four, the letter U. Dot the com. dot and the com. C-O-M dot com. See you later.